0: Now, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that your word would be spoken this morning and your word alone received. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to get this out of the way right now. I'm not nearly as old as I look. I'm 38. I'm 38. But I dye my hair silver, and I've got this reverse Botox thing that I do, and I've got, got a pillow under here that shows that i got a gut, and then i got a thing that pulls me forward, so I'm stooped. So just think of me as, no, don't, because I've been married to Becky for 51 years, so the math doesn't work out. But it's great to be with you. Uh, it's a delight for us, Becky, and for me to be with you today. I wish we could have been here at Christmas, but... We needed to go to the West Coast. Our daughter is in Portland with two sons. She's divorced. The boys are uh, 10 and 12, and the 10-year-old Nick uh, has serious brain damage when he was seven. And our visits are the highlight of his uh, winter, uh, and Carrie's too, I think. Uh, But uh, we go, and I just didn't have the heart to tell her I can't come at, at the last minute. So we were out there, but we watched your online services and delighted in that. It's good, it's good to see that we have six grandkids, and we get to see them, each group, four in Pittsburgh and two out in Portland, a couple of times a year. And uh, I wish it were more, but that's kind of the way it works. But when you go, you, you're six months downstream, and they, you can see the difference in kids. Uh, you can see their growing maturity. And it's fun to watch. They gain, gain some maturity. Aiden, now the twelve-year-old out in Portland, he's now five eight or five nine. His voice has dropped, and uh, he's a, he's a young man. And he he uh, is helpful around the house. He doesn't argue so much with his mom. He's he's growing up. He even helps with his little brother now and then. And Becky, when when uh, Carrie says, you know, you, it's time to eat or no more screen, well. You can't tell him no more screen time. That doesn't work. But other things, she can tell him, and he 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 gets it. And so does Nick. The mom mom's got some. Mom knows what she's doing. It's a good idea to listen to what she says. She's she's trying to help me. They they're old enough now that they they see that. And I suggest that maybe we could define that as maturity, or say it another way: maturity. It might be defined as uh, living in reality living in reality, accepting the legitimate limitations which are imposed by godly authority or by the laws of nature for that matter, and and not spending our time fighting against, complaining about truth and reality. That could be defined as maturity. We're not fighting something just, just because we don't like it. Wouldn't it be cool if we all reached that sort of maturity in our relationship with the Lord God? Dead silence. Wait. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, well, "What is he talking about? I I'm, I'm always listening to the Lord. I do what he says." Okay, this is a strange bunch. <laughs> Um, I confess, I, I, I struggle with that that, that uh, tension between what I want and what is God's best. But wouldn't it be great if we understood that God is this perfect parent who's, who got really definite ideas about human flourishing and what it should look like and what our lives could look like, and he gave it to us in a book. We call the Bible. And life just goes better if we... Well, if we obey, if we don't struggle in immaturity to fight the reality of God and his word, I I know we're all in it together because it's in the scripture. It's called the fall. You've heard the name. That's what we did from the very beginning. God said, don't do this. And we said, no, I think I will. Thank you very much. And we've been doing it ever since and living with the consequences, right? Right. Separation from God, struggling to do life our way and not his way. And I call it immaturity. There's another name for it. It's called the way of death. If you want to walk away from the Lord of life, you end up dead. And our, list, our lessons today, the three of them, and I need this young fella to do amens during the sermon, Okay. <laughs> He's great. I love it. I really do love it. Okay. There's a, a young lady. At any rate, idiot, whatever. Amen's are good. You're all welcome to say amen, or you can pray. Help him, Jesus. Okay. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Help him finish. He's never going to finish. Okay. So the lessons illustrate immaturity. This idea that we know better than God does, and we don't want what He wants. Not a new problem goes back to the fall. And we see it in Isaiah today and some of the reactions of the Jews to Isaiah. Isaiah, one of the Lord's great prophets, revealed his plan in in his prophecies. He would talk about God's plan to rescue the world from the fall, uh, to send a Messiah, to bring us back from our rebellion, back to him in a relationship, and to restore everything that we had messed up. Uh, As the Brits say, he's coming to sort us. And Isaiah spoke repeatedly about it. So did the other prophets. And that's what Isaiah is addressing this morning. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah and saying, I'm going to send my servant, the Messiah, in whom I will put my Holy Spirit, and he will bring forth justice to the world. He won't fail or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. Now, God's people, Israel, they wanted justice, right? But they wanted justice their way, which was a military justice, a military victory, a political freedom, independence, a freedom from oppression and, and from countries that dominated them. They had an immature and self centered vision of the Messiah, that he would, he would come and it would be all about them. And they ignored God's word, frankly, as here in Isaiah, where the Lord says the Messiah won't even raise his voice. How do you get a military victory without raising your voice? He's not going to raise his voice, he's not, much less is he going to raise his sword. He's, he, he, he's going to be so gentle, there'll be no violence. He won't even quench the barely burning wick. He won't, he won't break a bruised reed, which would you know, fall over if the wind blew on it. But Israel didn't want that. He also, Isaiah prophesied, and we've heard it read recently around the Christmas season, that the the, the Messiah would come and deliver us from the sins of the world. He would suffer. He would die for our sins. God would place on him the iniquity of us all, and he would take the punishment that would bring us peace, crushed, and pierced for our transgressions They didn't that wasn't their Messiah They had a I know at best attitude And you remember remember I'm sure that Jesus own disciples fell into that They kept asking Jesus throughout his ministry. When are you going to set us free from the Romans? And go check it out even after his resurrection he's died on the cross now he's back to life and they said now (laughs) now are we going to have freedom from rome they were definitely in that uh, i know best i know what we need and not listening to the lord you can see that in peter today Uh, you have to look back a little bit and see how he got to where he is he's speaking to the uh, in in uh... a home of gentiles he's speaking and cornelius's home is gentile there's a crowd there of gentiles and peter wasn't going to go to to cornelius's house. He, he wasn't going to go because that's an unclean place he's a good jew and he don't go into a gentile's home and the, god had to send down you remember the story peter's on the roof and he gets three he gets a vision he gets it three times That tells you something the down a sheet is lowered and there are animals of all kinds clean and unclean and a voice from heaven says kill and eat peter and he's like no that's it. they're unclean animals and f- finally i mean the lord basically says to him look i don't call the gentiles unclean neither can you go to go to cornelius's house do what i'm telling you to do and and peter goes it's 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 great the way the reading starts. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no pers- uh, partiality. Oh, well, you know, a week earlier, he was all into God's partiality, partiality of the Jews. Now he's figured it out, okay? But I'm, my point is there's an immaturity there at work. I know what's right. I know what's unclean. I know what isn't, and, and, and I need to live by that. And I'm sorry, but I can't hear you say that the gentiles are clear clean he did come around obviously and he went there's the same sort of immaturity in john the baptist in our gospel lesson this morning if you noticed it it's very short it's a very short uh, word there about john but john knows that jesus is the messiah john knows it god's revealed it to him but when jesus comes to john to be baptized john resists isn't that a great expression no lord uh really that's what he says no i'm not going to do it You, you you i shouldn't baptize you you should be baptizing me he would prevent jesus being baptized why because he's that's not john's idea of messiah it's i know best and messiah's holier than i am and i don't baptize people holier than i am they need to baptize me and there's i think there's an undercurrent there of the military messiah too he knows jesus the messiah is coming to set the oppressed free open the open the doors of the prison and all of that and there's going to be this great overturning and and this is the general here the general of the army i'm a i'm a private i don't private privates don't baptize generals i think that was all going on and you see it later in in john the baptist's life when he's been in prison for months or maybe years he sends his, apo- his disciples to jesus to say are you the one he knows Isaiah's prophecy that the Lord is going to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. Well, nobody's bringing him out, and so he's, where is this Messiah? Again, it's, it's, I call it immature thinking. It's an idea of what God is supposed to be doing that ignores what God has said. It's easy, I think, sometimes to see immaturity in other folks, right? We can spot it. Uh, <laughs> okay you you're with me um, yeah not me but you you can <laughs> you can see it in okay it's easy but that's that's not my point my point this morning is can we see it in ourselves do we Do we have some immaturity in others, in in ourselves and how we listen to God? Do we get it? In other words, I I, I, I love that old expression that God is God and I'm not. Do we live in that world? Do we accept that he has a plan uh, for this world, a a purpose that's bigger than I am? Uh, That uh, it goes beyond just me or are we... Spiritual too. i one of my grandsons when he was two walked around the house saying we are going to the Steelers football game this afternoon I'm in charge. We're going to the game. He's two He didn't get to that football game But aren't we like that sometimes I define reality I set the rules for me I'm in charge of my life and in case that's too vague. Do we accept what God says to us in scripture? on issues like, you know, human sexuality or sexual morality or morality in general or giving or let's just say the origins of life on the planet. Where did we come from, out of the muck and mire or did God raise us up and breathe life into us? Do we accept what the scripture says? Or do we say, you know what, we know better. That's an old book and we know better. Science has taught us otherwise. Do we accept what Jesus said about us, that our nature is so corrupt that the only way for it to be dealt with was for God himself to come down to earth in the person of the Son and die on our behalf? Good of a drastic step to save us. Or do we say, eh, I'm not so bad? Do we accept that God created us not just for our blessing but for a love relationship with him through which we are intended to grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ and live to God's glory or do we act like I did for at least the first third of my life it's my life and I'll choose how to run it thank you very much Do we accept that God always has our best interests at heart? Even my grandsons are starting to come around. Mom has my best interests at heart. Do we accept that, that he allows into our lives those things which will help us grow into Christlikeness, or do we rail at the pain and losses that we suffer? My point this morning is, Uh, Despite that last bit, my point this morning is to encourage us. Encourage us, and myself included, that old phrase, just grow up. To grow up. To grow up. Stop this foolish, immature thinking that we're in charge and we set the rules and define what is right and wrong. Encourage us, encourage myself, to grow up into the reality that is God's plan for our lives and accept with gratitude what he's offering, which it turns out is by far better than anything we could have imagined. I pray that that'll be our year ahead, Uh, a few months that I have with you perhaps, but maybe your year ahead, 2023, the, the year of walking away from immaturity and into more and more maturity, with a prayer, with a prayer, Lord, help me walk in your ways. Lord, give me grace to seek and embrace all that you have for me. Lord, I deserve nothing and can earn nothing, but, Lord, I want to grow up into Jesus Christ. I'm tired of being in charge of my life and living for me. Grow me up, Lord. That's my advice on how to grow up. It's not another New Year's resolution. Let's see, it's the eighth. How many have you made and broken so far? Am I talking to the right people? <laughs> we do it, right? New resolutions don't work. Trying harder doesn't work. A commitment to self-improvement doesn't work to change the heart. I'm talking about heart change. And you know, I know, we know that heart change is the, God, is the Lord's work. By the power of the Holy Spirit, our role is to submit, to surrender, to say to him, Lord, do your work. And so that's my prescription uh, for our year ahead. I'm going to try to take it seriously myself, to say to the Lord day by day, change my heart. I'm open to what you want to do in me. And help me, Lord, to grow out of the I know better and into, Lord, you know best. The passageway to a changed heart That passageway is traversed only on our knees. And the prayer is, Lord, grow me up. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word and for your relentless love for us, which never gives up on us and is always ready to bring the changes into our life that we're willing to receive. Come, Lord, Holy Spirit, and change us.